welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome in. This is the Thursday deep dive episode. We have Ian Gray on as always. Ian, how are you doing today? We're getting right into the heart of earnings season. Have you had any companies report yet? I know it's an exciting time coming out of the boredom of the last few months. So, Yeah, I was just checking out the Pinterest earnings. Um, we talked about them last week, as most people probably know, but pretty good quarter, I think. And it's, you know, I think big tech is going to continue. Not that Pinterest is big tech, but I think big tech is going to have some big numbers. We saw some Google numbers today and looking forward to seeing what Apple puts out. Great quarter, guys. Great quarter. Yeah, great quarter, guys. <laughs> Pinterest isn't big tech, but it's going to be big tech. That, that's right. right. Right, exactly. All right. But today we're going to be talking Squarespace, a company that has not IPO'd yet. They're about to, I'm actually not IPOing, they're doing a direct listing sometime soon, but they dropped the S1. So we're going to do our pre-IPO show, or sorry, I'm going to say IPO, just know it was a direct listing. And it's going to be similar to the one we did on Roblox back before they went public. And Bumble. And Bumble as well. So we're not going to have any valuations to go off. We're going to play the valuation prediction game. Mm. Um, but everything else should be very similar. So Ryan, why don't you kick things off? Uh, before we do that, oh, we got right. a word from our sponsor, our friends at 7invest. We are getting very close to May 1st when the yeah. next recommendations will drop. And if you want access to those at a discount, use our code CCM. You get $10 off. It's usually 17. It's only seven bucks for your first month. Seven stock picks each month. Right. Wide range of companies, biotech, healthcare, software, retail, fintech. A lot of experts over there. We love them all. Yep. All right. Uh, without further ado, I will get to Squarespace. So if you're not familiar, I feel like most people have probably heard of Squarespace, but if you don't know what it is, it's a do-it-yourself or do-it-for-me website building and hosting tool. Um, so if you don't know how these kind of things work, it allows... It, let's say you wanted to build a website, anybody, it, literally any occupation, you could just want your own blog, whatever it is. You, uh, It's a freemium platform. So you kind of put in what you're trying to do, whether it's a blog, photography site, uh, gym, gym, gym uh, fitness yeah. classes, yeah. something like that. Uh, they'll have some, some templates for you, um, but then you can kind of edit, drag and drop, uh, change it the way you want, create pages. And it's really all seamlessly done. It's no code. Um, I, I guess you can code, you can add code to it, but it's mostly no code. So basically anyone that doesn't know how to, isn't a programmer is still able to build the website they want. Um, they also have more to the platform though. It's not just the website hosting. Uh, there's commerce functionality, scheduling. So let's say you had like a yoga place, a yoga studio or something like that. You could build sort of a schedule for people to kind of book and stuff like that. There's email campaigns, search engine optimization, management, hospitality stuff. So reservations, bookings, that kind of stuff for restaurants. Um, the As far as cost of goods sold, they will, so they, they run on AWS and Google Cloud, but um, when you pay them, so let's say you've built the website you want, you, it kind of looks good. Then you're going to, when you go to publish it, you'll ask for a certain domain name. 
that's where you're going to have to subscribe for either a year, two years, three years, something like that. And uh, so they will give you the domain, they will publish it, you get security, and then you obviously get uh, uh, hosting capabilities. And so that's their cost of revenue, essentially, uh, is everything that you're buying. And then they uh, it's about 84% gross margin. So they make a lot of profit on that. Um, but they're headquartered in New York, New York. They have 1,200 employees, roughly, most of which are in the US. They have an office in Dublin, Ireland. Um, there's about 100 employees out there. A little bit about the history. They were started in 2003 by Anthony Casalena. I think I'm saying that right. Um, but uh, he actually started it in his dorm room. Casalena was a programmer since about the age of 14. 14 and initially he kind of built it exactly how I would imagine he built it. So he was trying to build a website. He had too much difficulty doing it. And so he said, I will make a tool for building websites. It's a lot like the Shopify initiation story. Exactly. Um, So he started working on what is now called Squared Space. He launched the uh, platform publicly in 2004, hired his first employee in 2006. Uh, So this was built both before Shopify and before Wix. Uh, in 2010, Squarespace received investments from Excel and Index Ventures. I always find it funny that you always hear about the funding round, but it was founded in 2003, 2004. Yeah. For six years, they were just running on any money they could get. Uh, I, I listened to an interview with the founder, and he said like his first, his last year in college, he made 50000 from subscription revenue just him personally. And then like his second year, he made 200,000 in subscription revenue. So that was kind of running the company. You can see it on their income statement, pretty lean. I think that's kind of stayed with them in the culture. And I like it when a company has to go without funding because it feels like it usually sticks with them. Um, But they launched their commerce offering in 2013. They were actually net income profitable by 2016. So less than 10 years after their first funding round. Uh, bloggers were the early adopters. That's kind of how they got off the ground. It was all just bloggers looking for a place to easily set up shop. Um, and then they filed their S1 April 16th. So really recent. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to do a direct listing. So I don't think they're raising any money. They just did a funding round before, which makes the share count all confusing. They got like three different things here, but uh, I'm going to hit the industry landscape competition. Competitors include, like Ryan said, Shopify, there's Wix, there's Weebly. Weebly is owned by Square. I believe so. Square is technically a competitor as well. There's Big Commerce, who is a Shopify clone, also has that e-commerce function or functionality. And then there's a lot of other website builders as well. Um, you could argue Facebook is a competitor. A lot of businesses use that as their homepage on the internet. And then Google Maps also as well uh, for restaurants, kind of a competitor. Some people just leave it up to like Google Maps, especially if you're a restaurant, just to take care of everything. Although I would argue that typically that doesn't work out that well. Uh, just a little anecdotal, anecdotal evidence there when I'm looking for something to eat. But the industry is large and growing. There's 800 million small businesses worldwide and self-ventures globally uh, with around half of them not online today. Uh, some of those uh, you know, obviously are in like uh, countries that are maybe a bit poorer than like some of the Western areas that uh, you know, a lot of those people have zero access to even the internet in general. So it's kind of a flawed set, I thought, from the S1, but still, giant opportunity to go after. Um, hard to quantify their industry, but like none of these website aggregators or like uh, e-commerce tools have more than 10 million subscribers. I think Shopify is kind of close to uh, Squarespace at about 4 million. I really don't have the numbers in front of me. But I know Wix is like 5.5 million. So a lot of ground for all of these companies to, uh, to grow. 
um, and they believe their addressable market is about $150 billion. Uh, seems a bit aggressive, but still, there's, I mean, there's tons of small businesses out there that need these type of tools. I, it feels like everyone needs a website uh, to get their ownership on the internet. But yeah, that pretty much covers it. Very simple industry. Ian, do you want to talk management? Yep. So as Ryan mentioned, Anthony Castellina is still the CEO. He was the founder. Um, he says that with Squarespace, they not only want to help people get online, but also grow online. And so I think that's something that's really pervasive throughout the entire industry now. But back when they first started, that would have been kind of different. Like the big hurdle was actually getting people online. But now they see the the goal is growing, growing people's presences online. Um, Squarespace, one of the things that sets it apart is it has a focus on beauty um, and direct ac access to customers, but particularly kind of the beauty side. It's very much like a lot of the templates look um, artsy maybe, or uh, have kind of some design elements or things that are um, a little less utilitarian than some of the other designs. But, and we'll get into this later, but in my personal experience, I found that sometimes that's not actually what I'm looking for in a website. Um, but they do appeal to that segment of the market, I think. One thing about the company that I think kind of shows what the management team is thinking about is their mission. Their mission says, Squarespace exists to help people with creative ideas stand out and succeed. We enable millions to build a brand and tr transact with their customers in an impactful and beautiful online presence. So even in that mission statement, you can see that they're talking about creative ideas, beautiful online presence. That's really an emphasis. Um, as far as compensation goes, uh, the CEO had a bit over a million dollars in compensation last year, but just signed a new um, agreement where he's only going to receive one dollar in base salary going forward but there's basically a, a stock uh plan that will that has 10 different tranches that if they hit different price targets um and the stock uh stock price and i think the first one's about a 25 percent premium from their last valuation going up to like um basically like a uh like a 400 percent premium um he's um that's where he gets a bunch more stock options vesting. And so it's like $219 million in unvested shares um, and the value of the unvested shares right now. And so a pretty big, so his compensation is basically tied to how well the stock performs, which generally is something I like to see. Some people, it's kind of similar to like the Elon Musk plan. Um, yeah. And some people don't like that because of just how much stock compensation it is, but um, it's entirely dependent on how the stock performs, which is a good thing. He has about 68% of voting power um, and according to my calculations, it looks like about 36% of shares outstanding. Um, you probably want to double check on that, but that's that's what I was calculating. I know those um, three share classes really, uh, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough and you never know exactly how it's going to shake out after a new round of funding and um, a direct listing and stuff. But it, it looks like it was about 36% of shares. So um, very, he's got a sizable stake in the company and the voting power. So you really want to make sure that you're comfortable with this management team before investing in this company, just because of how much uh, voting power uh, he does have. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll hit valuation, which in this case, there's no valuation. I think the last, I don't know, did you guys have a private valuation? I tried to calculate, I think it was like 10 or $9 billion. I may have been getting that wrong. I was using the pro forma share count and that count uh, they had a share price in the S1. I think it was like $9 billion from that last funding round in March. So maybe it'll be around there. Uh, but the ticker is going to be SQRP, obviously no. public valuation. It's not SQRP. SQ, SQSP. SQSP, excuse me, SQSP. And uh, the offering is not done yet. So we're going to play the valuation prediction game. Um, what do you guys think the market cap will be? 
Uh, oh, I have no idea. I mean, so the IPOs have been so absurd lately. Uh, what would I consider it at? Probably anywhere below like seven and a half billion. Uh, it would have to be below that last private funding round. I don't think it deserves 10 billion. It might get there, but uh, I don't think I'd consider it above seven and a half. Ian? Yeah, I think it's going to be somewhere in the range of 12 to 15 billion, which is based on uh, Wix, I think, is trading at about 17 times um, revenues. And this would put Squarespace at about 20 to 25 times. And it's a little bit growing at about the same pace. But I think um, there's just something about a direct listing or an IPO that gets people's yeah. juices going. And, <laughs> you know, um, graphic expect, type deal, yeah. Right. So I expect it'll get somewhere maybe in that 20 to 25 times range. Well, we talked Bumble last time. And I remember we were like, uh, we said some optimistic ones. And then it was like, the valuation was like twice as high. So I feel like that yeah. could happen here as well. Yeah, I mean, 5 to $7 billion seems kind of reasonable. That, uh, looking at their margin profile, but yeah. it's probably going to be higher. That's the crazy thing is I could see a world in which this gets a higher valuation than Wix, even though it's about half the size uh, as far as financial, maybe a little more than half the size in financials and customer count. Uh, you get a TAM. I don't know. Uh, the, <laughs> that maybe, they have the uh, exact same TAM. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, but Wix, you get some people can make the argument that, you know, so yeah, at a small sure company, you, know, you can rationalize something. Yeah, but it seems like all these companies kind of like well, Shopify gets that real premium valuation. I mean, if we're going to value it at Shopify's multiple, it's going to be a twenty-five billion dollar valuation. But that's true. Uh, I don't think it has the sentiment of a Shopify. But Ian, did you have anything? I was just going to add to it. It's interesting to me because I've been starting to see a lot of Squarespace ads on television, Ooh. and um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that maybe there's some, like, I don't want to call them stock pumpers either, but I think between uh, that, I've seen this a few times with companies that are about to go public, that all of a sudden you start seeing their ads all over the place and stuff. Coinbase um, just said that too. I've been seeing those. Yeah, exactly. So, and whether that's, like, I don't think that's directly to um, bring it on investors' radars. Maybe it is. Maybe they think that'll raise their profile and kind of get some people into it. But then I, I think it's probably more about trying to drive customers before an IPO, but um, just an interesting thing I've noted. I mean, if you can make a lot of noise in in your IPO, it can drive, I think, just awareness. And awareness is a big thing for these no-code, low-code uh, development platforms because they're competing for those customers really initially. Yeah, I mean, it's probably fine if you get a good ROI on that, that marketing spend. Yeah. Um, but speaking of that, Ryan, do you want to go through earnings? Yeah, so I'm going to go with the non-pro forma because they made an acquisition that kind of complicated things. So they had $621 million in 2020 revenue. That was growing 28% year over year. They had $3.7 million unique subscriptions, up about 22% year over year. Uh, they had 84% gross margins, $150 million in operating cash flow, up almost 50% year over year. Um, and I think unlevered free cash flow uh, was 152 million. Uh, so it's about 24, 25% free cash flow, operating cash flow margins. And that's uh, including SBC? No. No? I don't you took out SBC? They gave the unlevered free cash flow number was uh, the, that was 150. I mean, that was above operating cash flow. So I imagine that that was added back. Yeah, so it includes SBC. Yes. Okay. I just want Wait, to Wait, hold sure. on. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about it. Uh, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't take it out. 
I'll, I'll figure it out in the second half of okay. the show. But okay. uh, they are Gap profitable. They upped their spending on sales and marketing and research development this year. So Gap uh, net margin looks a little lower. Uh, but I think, I mean, I'm fine with that if I were a shareholder because it's uh, it was a year to go after as much customers as you can since so many people were transitioning online. Uh, they spent about 5% of revenue on stock-based compensation. I think that was around $31 million for 2020. Um, average revenue per unique subscription was $187. Uh, pricing is very similar to competitors. It's hard to charge too much because yeah. there's a lot of alternatives. Um, but ARP was going up steadily. It's been going up steadily. So yeah. That's a good sign. Too. They've got that beautiful cohort analysis yeah, on their S1. So <laughs> love the wave of the cohort. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all I have for earnings. Ian, you got balance sheet and liquidity. Yep. So I'll try and keep this uh, fairly quick, but it is a little bit more of a complex balance sheet than we've looked at recently. They've got cash and marketable securities of about $215 million. And with this, as Brett mentioned, it's a direct listing. And so they just raised money. Um, so they will not be raising money with the direct listing. It's just a creating liquidity for their, um, for their share, current shareholders. So that number should stay about the same in the next report that comes out. Um, they've got debt of $536 million, which the vast majority of that is a term loan, a $500 million term loan that has an interest rate of somewhere, basically it has a floor of 1.25% interest and a cap of 2.25% interest. So a low interest rate, but a fairly sizable loan, especially given their cash balance. This is one of the few businesses we've looked at recently that has uh, more debt than cash, especially when it's not uh, convertibles. So part of the reason they have this debt is they basically... Um, paid a $300 million special dividend to shareholders back in December. Um, that it was basically a dividend recapitalization. And so they, they paid out, they took on debt to pay out a dividend to shareholders, which was about 3% of um, the value of the company based on the most recent valuation. So a little 3% dividend to all the shareholders. Um, we'll probably get into that a little bit more later, but they also have about 50% of assets are goodwill, which is due to the talk acquisition. And so if that doesn't work out, um, you know, you could see some write downs and things like that. So there's definitely some things to kind of be concerned about some yellow flags here. The good news is that um, it's good interest rates, only about 5% debt to enterprise value if it comes in at a valuation at what the uh, private money valuation was. And so it's not a crazy amount of debt. Uh, I'm calculating it at somewhere between three and $5 million in debt service right now, which if interest rates rose, you know, it could get up to eight to 10% when they had to refinance the debt or sorry, eight to $10 million in debt service. But for a company that's doing as much revenue as they are, it's not a huge deal. Um, the only thing is I don't love to see like the dividend recap right before they go public, yeah. because it seems a little bit like the existing shareholders are getting some money out, putting some debt on the company and then, you know, pawning it off to um, other shareholders like I said, it's only 5% debt to enterprise value. And so it's, it's not like saddling the company with a ton of debt, but it's, it's, um, it's not something I'd love to see, I guess. Yeah. And they're operating, yeah. ca they're cash flow positive. So that should be okay. And uh, most of that, yeah. most of that debt is due, f I think four to five years out. So, okay. I mean, when you're generating 150 million in operating cash flow, I think you're going to be all right. But uh, it is weird. And I don't like to see companies that treat, uh, like going public, like a dump, like, like they've made it. And so now we get to like reward everyone 
yeah. prior to give, giving shareholders access. Yeah, I mentioned Coinbase earlier. That's kind of the feeling I have with that company as well. It, just, it feels icky because as an outside shareholder, they're supposed to be treating you well. Obviously, you're right. not like the primary concern, but- and It's great for employees, but sure, yeah. that's just not shareholder friendly. So, yeah. I mean, and I imagine most of the people listening are, are more shareholders than employees. Yeah, and then the special dividend, yeah, that's also like, all right, well, it's taking cash out, paying them out before, you know, but Match Group had did, it doesn't mean like the company's gonna do bad. Like Match Group did that and I was like, um, all right. Uh, and, you know, it's worked out, uh, but it's like, uh, all right, this is gonna be a bit of a headwind, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, and it's just something, it's something to look at. Like, I don't think it's, a reason not to invest by, for, yeah. by any means, but it's definitely something to be aware of. Um, and and I honestly, I haven't done enough research to see how often companies do this. Like you said, Match Group um, did it, and we looked at that, I think. And um, it, but it, you know, it, it's not something that every company does, but it, it is not um, entirely uncommon either. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's take a break, and then we're going to get back and talk about uh, further analysis on Squarespace. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back in. Next up, we're going to have the new quick segment, anecdotal evidence and product experience. Uh, but Ryan, you have that correct or uh, uh, clarification on yeah, free cash the operating flow. cash flow is just as they stated it. Uh, they added back the SPC. So if you're going to try to X that out, just take out about thirty million dollars worth of stock-based compensation. Uh, some people prefer to do that. Some people don't. Some people. Uh, kind of go halfway and take 50% and exit out. Um, but that's up to people's personal opinions. Um, my experience with the product, uh, I went on this morning to see, because we're looking for a new website hosting platform for chitchatmoney.com. We're considering switching away from WordPress. So I was going to see. Stinks. It, it does kind of stink. Uh, so I looked on Squarespace to see if we could port it over. Uh, it was a little difficult to navigate. Um, if, we, if I had to choose one today, I'd probably end up going with Wix. Wix is the one we use for archcapitalfund.com. Uh, and so I'm kind of used to that platform. Also, the templates weren't that great on Squarespace, um, at least for what we were going for. Um, they really only had one for like podcasts and media. So I, I just didn't exactly, it wasn't super intuitive to me, but it's almost like the cloud storage and content collaboration space, how you just get acclimated to a certain type of software, whether it's Dropbox, yeah. G Suite, Office 365, you get used to it. And then you're just kind of like, I don't want to switch. I understand sort of the ins and outs of this software. And so that's kind of me with Wix versus Squarespace. Yeah, what about, kinda, you guys have anything? Have no, I mean, nothing special. Ian, you got some? I just echo what you were saying. I've been looking to uh, do a website for a project I'm working on and Squarespace was one of the options I was looking at, but it pretty quickly um, became not one of the options I was looking at because of mostly because of the lack of templates and not like some super competitive pricing either. Like it's That's it's about the same as everything else, but it wasn't like it wasn't a deal compared to other things. And I didn't really love the templates. They put a lot of emphasis on design um, and rightfully so. I know a lot of 
they had some stats in there that people that view websites know within like a split second whether or not they like it based solely on the design. Um, and design does matter, but I thought the functionality wasn't quite as good. It wasn't as intuitive for uh, like building the website you want um, as something like Wix. And I think the ratings, when you go and look at the ratings of the website development platforms, I think it kind of reflects that. Yeah, it doesn't seem as robust as Shopify or Wix for sure. Uh, but that, you know, maybe they're just a little if, smaller. Maybe that could change over time. I mean, if you're looking for the pretty site, they probably do have the most sort of, I guess, sexy designs. Of yeah, websites. if you're looking kind of as like a, a shop that's trying to be trendy or fashion type stuff, yeah. that, could, that could be the best. That, that was kind of their examples, like a watch shop or something like that. Ian, what do you have? Right, or like people are making a lot of these portfolio sites that have things like their film projects or their photography or things like that. And this like Squarespace, I think, would be the obvious place to go for something like that just because of the style of a lot of their templates. Yeah, and you're looking, especially as like a photographer, you're looking for kind of the, as you want an aesthetically pleasing, like that's sort of the focus um, uh, of your website. I just don't know if that necessarily applies for all types of websites, commerce and stuff like that. No, it definitely doesn't. And it's just kind of what company, what the companies decided to focus on. Like Wix focused on their niche. I mean, we don't have to get into whatever they decided to focus on. It seems like Squarespace is focused on a specific niche. And then Shopify obviously focused on e-commerce. Um, you know, it's whatever you focus on, you're probably going to be the best at and then lacking in the other stuff. But no need to harp on that forever. Uh, next up is competitive advantages. Ian, what do you have? Yep, we'll flow right it from that right into my competitive advantage. So I don't think there's a great competitive advantage here, but if there is something, it is this focus on beauty and really design and giving people an opportunity to find something that's really beautiful, I guess, and um, just kind of cutting edge of design. It's not it's not going to be like your your website's going to look professional. It's going to look good. It's going to it's not necessarily going to look like a pre made template. Um, it's gonna it's gonna it's more focused on beauty, I guess. And so if that's, if that appeals to certain segments of the customer base, then that's a little bit of a competitive advantage. Yeah. And I'd say the ones we have here, like they're not the true ones. I don't think we're really finding anything super profound. Like we're not, we're not all saying this has a moat or anything. This is kind of, we're trying to feel out maybe something they could potentially have in the future. Um, but Ryan, what do you have? Yeah. I mean, this just really isn't, we had a discussion with uh, a member of NZS Capital this week and it was kind of like in the digital age, their, their big thing is in the digital age, there really aren't any moats um, or a moat can kind of be a vulnerability. I think that really applies here because it's hyper competitive and your biggest advantage is the ability to constantly innovate and make new iterations and make something really pleasant for your customers. So there isn't going to be something that uh, like any one trait that's a massive competitive advantage. Uh, but I will say the, the big thing for them is probably marketing. Uh, they kind of, I think they have a pretty significant sort of share of mind in terms of people that. Well, at least in the United States. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously they don't have the largest market share, but they're sort of notable. And I think a lot of people know what they do, even if they haven't built their own website. Um, and we talk about the stickiness, which I know you're going to mention, but it's a lot like that cloud storage. So if you can get to the customer first, I think you're going to lock them in for a long time. So uh, I guess really being the first one of those customers and it, whether that is ad spend on Google, uh, commercials, anything like that, that's where they got to kind of spend the money, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I agree with all that. Ian, any, anything on that, I'll, I'll move on to mine. Okay, my, mine's switching costs. I took the easy one. Again, I don't know. I've been doing these first, so I get I get the easy ones. Uh, I don't think it's too high. Like we are, we talk about how uh, Microsoft Excel and some of Autodesk products are maybe have super high switching costs. Squarespace, stuff like this is, it's like maybe, I don't know, a third as good as that. Uh, like with Shopify and Wix though, I, I, the reason that companies like this get high valuations from investors is because they expect the low churn, excluding like if a company goes out of business, there's no reason they're going to cancel the website over a decade and let if it works well. Um, but with the high, the cycle of small businesses kind of being high, with the high turnover, it doesn't mean you're locking in these large enterprises for a few decades or something like that, or even a decade. So, you know, it, when someone say goes out of business, starts a new one, they have a chance to start all over. Um, and that just yeah. it gives an exposure to some turnover there. But if Squarespace has a good offering, there shouldn't be a worry there. However, churn, that, or go ahead, Ryan. Churn may seem, I mean, I don't even know if they gave a churn number, but it may seem artificially high because not because people are switching to competitors, just, but just, just simply because people aren't re-upping for whatever reason. Because it's just, there's bankruptcies in yeah. small businesses all the time. Um, I do worry it's a bit of a commodity product, the stuff they're doing. I feel like we struggle to get any competitive advantages here. And that can be a sign that the business, you know, isn't as special as maybe their their S one is making it out to be. But I mean, the numbers look fine so far. Uh, anything else on that? If not, mm. uh, future growth opportunities, Ian. What do you have? I'll just make one final comment on that. When <laughs> for a business like this that might be a little bit bit of a commodity, the management team matters even more. I think, and I think we'd all agree on that. That yeah. it's really about this innovation and. Um, constantly iterating and making a great product that's going to um, lead to sustain, sustained success for a stock um, that doesn't have a big competitive advantage like this and it's a competitive market. And so um, just make sure you you really take a look at a management team like this to, you know, someone like Toby Lutke at Shopify has really made that company into what it is. And so um, trying to get a handle on, do you trust this management team to continue to iterate? Um, as far as a future growth opportunity, I think it all comes down to uh, raising the, they call it average uh, revenue per unique uh, subscription. So right now that number is currently at $187 a year. Um, and which puts it right between its kind of lower two tiers for um, its annual subscription rate for a website. So if they can continue to grow that and to grow customers and clients into higher tiers and um, help them really grow their businesses, as they said in their mission, they want to grow the businesses, not just get people online, but grow them. That's going to really be the growth opportunity. And so I think adding good value add services on top that get people to go up to those next levels of subscriptions is really going to be where um, the success comes from. And one example of that is uh, commerce is growing very quickly. And so, uh, 78% growth year over year. So that's going to be a big, big piece of, um, I think, raising that average revenue per uh, unique subscription. Yeah. And, and adding, uh, there's a ton of opportunities within e-commerce. They, I, I don't think they have their internal payments thing that Wix and Shopify have and big commerce, I'm assuming has that as well. There's a, there's just a ton of stuff with e-commerce. I'm not an expert on Squarespace's offering, but it seems like it's, only, it's not as robust. I guess I've said that already as like Shopify's is. Yeah. There's some, 
I could I could definitely say a world in which some of these website development platforms business solutions revenue starts to surpass subscription revenue eventually if they have enough sort of bolt-on functionality uh, added to the actual subscription itself. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk my future growth opportunity. Um, so it's do it for me templates. Um, templates, in my opinion, are like a huge differentiator in product, uh, which product people pick. Um, and comes I think back to no code. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it that comes down that that I think is a large determining factor in whether or not those customers that see your site stick around. I think if I would have got a better template on uh, Squarespace this morning when I was looking at it, I may have done more with it and eventually stuck around. If you if you get people into the late stages of that freemium cycle, it's hard to get them to just after three, four, five days of work go and switch to a Wix. And so the template is sort of that first piece because then people don't have to start from scratch. They can kind of just like swap out a picture, uh, change, you know, what the heading says, change the tabs, stuff like that. And so making it so that people have just less steps is great. Problem is right now Wix has about 800 templates and Squarespace has about 125. Um, I think they're going to have to add more if they're going to steal more market share. It's, it's, a uh, huge problem, probably the biggest downside. And so that's where I think most of the growth ends up coming from. Yeah, no, yeah, agree with all that. Um, mine is going to be the acquisition of Talk, which was for $415 million, uh, in March. And Talk is a reservations pickup delivering online payment solution for restaurants, similar to what, this is a bit similar to Olo, which we covered with Brad, uh, a little different because it's for small businesses and it's similar to the well, company that Wix acquired a bit. I mean, they all do kind of different things. I w- yeah, I would not say this. Is, I would say this is more of a speedy tab than an Olo. It's yeah. Olo, but for you this know, is individual like hospitality trial. management. Like you're, yeah, it's it's more like you're making reservations. It's not like Olo has. Well, they have uh, pickup delivery and online payments integration. So I think it's similar. Yeah, I don't think they're doing the exact same thing though. I think Olo's uh, making the process seamless of uh, choosing the optimal delivery or third-party courier. I don't think uh, Talk has that, but I guess I don't know. All right, and then it's basically it has all the software tools. You know, like an SMB would need to succeed. It works well. You know, with the website. If you already have a Squarespace website, easy to upsell theoretically into here to the existing companies, and it feels like they're kind of copying Wix here, who acquired Speedy Tab. Right at the same time, a little suspicious Squarespace. Uh, looking at the pro forma results, though, acquisition was expensive. Yeah, uh, they're only bringing three hundred. Sorry, not three hundred. Thirteen million in gross profit to the table last year. Um, acquisition was four hundred fifteen million, so that's a steep gross profit multiple. Yeah, that you got to think the integration is going to start generating lots of gross profit. I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a high acquisition. A little bit of a low light there for me, honestly. Uh, anything I, else on that? I, I would just, yeah, I just reiterate what you said. If they're, if they think that they can sell this to their existing 3.6 million subscribers, whether I don't know how many of those are restaurants, then maybe this is a good acquisition. But it does look like they paid a really hefty multiple, and it looks like maybe, I, I guess I don't have the dates in front of me, but it might have been a copycat move. Uh, yeah, I swear they cop. I mean, we know Wix a lot just because we own it and we're obviously a little biased, but it seems like Squarespace just copies Wix, um, the e-commerce stuff, you know, this. Yeah. And the design stuff, focusing on that, trying to copy that with them. I, I don't know. I'm obviously biased towards Wix, but it seems like they're just doing whatever they do. Um, that's a sign, tiny bit of a yellow flag. 
Yeah. All right. Highlights and lowlights, Ian. Ian, what do you have for Squarespace? For highlights, I've got the commerce revenue growth, I think is impressive. And we've seen that throughout the whole industry. So if they're able to maintain that, that'll be a big deal for the business. Um, a couple of lowlights. Um, not sure about the talk acquisition. Seems like they probably overpaid for it. And, um, you know, you kind of have to trust that they believe there's enough of those types of customers on their platform that they're really going to have a lot of um, upselling opportunities with it. So we'll see. Um, and then, like I mentioned, kind of the, the balance sheet stuff and the dividend recap. Um, one thing, like they've only got, like I said, about $215 million in cash, whereas Wix has closer to a billion dollars in cl- cash, um, which just puts them at a disadvantage as they move forward. Um, and also, like, I don't know what you guys think about this, but they they have true debt. They have this term loan that's got between one and 2% interest rates, basically. Whereas when looking at Wix, Wix has got some debt, but it's all convertible notes. And I think there's a discussion to be had about what's actually the better way to go about it with the one to 2%. That's pretty cheap money um, for Squarespace. Um, but it is, you know, it is a commitment that you have to be paying where Wix probably won't that those, I assume those convertible notes will probably convert. And, um, so it's, it's kind of a question, do, we, do you really want to, do you want to be funding with equity or funding with debt? And in some ways, especially for a business that's cash flowing like it, it might actually be a highlight that they're funding more with, um, yeah. with this low cost debt. I like than, these, than their I like equity. these better. Convertible notes yeah. can be sneaky expensive. Um, as long as it's, you know, that, that interest rate seems pretty solid. Yeah. As long as you're cash flow positive, why not? Why not use those? If you really want to use that to fund uh, fund yourself now, using it to fund uh, yeah. a dividend recap, eh, maybe not. Right. I, I would have preferred to see that just hit. Like, I would rather have see them just have that money on the balance sheet in cash because it seems yeah. like like they probably have plenty of cash to do what they want to do, but it just seems like they're at a disadvantage against a company like Wix, who has five times as much cash as they do. Yeah, agreed. Right, and that yeah, I don't mind. Uh, them adding a little bit of leverage because the, op- the the cash flow really is like super predictable because they lock in on these long-term sort of bookings, uh, especially I think they offer like the three-year deals. Um, so if, they, if, if they're forecasting that that operating cash flow is going to be stable, yeah, go for it. Uh, add a little bit of leverage, but not if you're going to use the money to pay yourself back and then acquire a talk for an absurd multiple. Yeah, those all those together um, wouldn't be too happy if I was a shareholder. Yeah. I, well, I, well, well, I, I would have yeah. gotten the dividend payout, but if I came in after. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I guess my highlights, I kind of have similar lowlights to you. It, it, this, I will say this, as far as lowlights go, this felt a lot like, it felt like this business really belonged to Casalina. Like, it it's he, it almost when I watched an interview with him, he did like a Google talk. It's on YouTube. You can kind of just see him almost treating it like it's his, which I guess is good. You know, some people like that sort of founder relationship, but you don't want too much control that you're unable to make them budge yeah. on anything. It's a big bet on one person. Yeah. Um, highlights for me, the world is really shifting to do it yourself or do it for me type web development right now, low code, no code makes up about 10% of all web development. That number is expected to be North of 50% by 2025. I think that's a Gartner Gartner report. Um, low lights for me. If you Google website building software, a bunch of sites pop up that rank sort of the best ones. 
most of them have Wix as the number one. And if you don't think that's super important, this year is like a, a great case study for why it is because so many COVID spurred a lot of adoption to online. A lot of companies, mm-hmm. restaurants especially, had to move uh, and build a website online fast. And Wix added a million premium subscriptions, maybe a little more. Squarespace added about 670,000. Uh, I think percentage basis, they were about equal, but nominally Wix had was able to add a lot more. I think a lot of that also comes down to the custom templates. Um, I would have rather seen them take that leverage and just plow it into R&D and uh, build a whole bunch of custom templates so it's easy for any possible business. Um, I, I guess it felt a little bit to me like Wix is sort of pulling away. Um, yeah, when you yeah. look at the... And the thing is each incremental user. So every time, so when Wix is adding a million and Squarespace is adding 670,000, that's 330,000 more websites that Wix is able to witness and see, okay, how did they alter it so that we can build a better custom template for the next one? And so I think that's why it's going to keep growing that spread in templates. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's- There's there's a bit of an advantage of scale. Yeah. And- Oh gosh, I was going to forget it. There, there's, there's space getting opened by WordPress because WordPress isn't even a real company. It's like an open source thing and then they have companies built on top of it. So it's it's a whole jumbled mess and there's just a ton of space opening up because WordPress, uh, it feels like a legacy solution. It's really not great. I, I'm the one that kind of runs it here and I hate it. Uh, so there's a lot of space for both these companies to get users from them as well. Um, yeah, Ian, did you have anything on that or no? Okay, I'll hit mine. Highlights, you know, overall great business model. Financials look really good. In, at least income statement and cash flow statement look really good. I liked how they're lean on the general and administrative expenses. That allows them to spend heavily on sales and marketing. I think it was 40% of revenue while still staying operating cash flow positive and gap profitable. Uh, below lights, I worry that their e-commerce offering isn't that good. Uh, it's a commodity versus uh, Wix's and especially Shopify's and probably BigCommerce as well, although I don't know BigCommerce um, very well. And they, they tout a $3.9 billion GMV number, but that's not nearly as large as what their competitors are doing. And GMV doesn't necessarily, it just means payments flowing through their platform. It doesn't mean they have a take rate on that. You know, there's a huge difference between GMV and GPV. GPV means you're actually getting revenue. GMV is just kind of well, whatever. It's GMV. I don't know. You're not making any money on it. So, uh, yeah. And uh, subscription revenue only grew 18% last year, which isn't great. Uh, it's fine, but you would have thought maybe it'd be higher. And then Ian mentioned that uh, Musk-like equity comp table with the 10 levels. At first, I looked at that and I was like, oh, this again, you know, he, he's kind of inspired a lot of people to do something similar. I think Dropbox has one. But you know, it's only based on share price appreciation, which I think aligns, as long as it's on a long-term timeline that aligns, you know, management with shareholders. And he's only eligible, only, I guess in air quotes, uh, for $200 million in shares at the current price. So, or maybe Ian, you had a different, you had a more exact number maybe, but it won't be a crazy amount of dilution, unlike uh, the one that they have at Tesla, which can be like $50 billion. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not 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 it's, as bad for sure. Yeah, just because it's the much Musk like tranches doesn't mean it's 
the, the same as as crazy same nominal number of or level of equity compensation. Yeah, yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, only two million shares. Doesn't that's not crazy? Although you know, it's still high CEO pay, but it's not it's not crazy. right. But or, like it, like the top level of it, and this is the top level, but the top level of it is like um, is unlocked at four hundred dollars a share, and yeah. so. Um, and it's around like, I think about $80 a share today. So, um, still, and the lowest level is a hundred dollars a share. And so there's, there, you know, it's not like they're just gifting him free shares from day one. There's gotta be a little bit of appreciation here. Yeah. And their typical comp, uh, for management was solid. Uh, what was it? They, I mean, they're giving some of their other executives pretty good bonuses just because I think they're trying to give them some ownership, but Casalina was not. Uh, just giving himself, you know, kind of uh, the the Bobby Kotick at Activision Blizzard giving yourself two hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, we. I mean, we give some hesitation to the ownership, but I liked Casalina, um, mm-hmm. and it seemed like he has built a culture there where the employees like it, um, yeah. and he has taken care, I guess, of his uh, take care of his stakeholders. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, more or less interested, uh, Ian. What do you think on Squarespace? I'm a little less interested on Squarespace. I think I'm more interested in this space. No pun intended, but um, that I'm a Shopify shareholder. I think I'm going to take a hard look at Wix, but at these level, like if all else equal, I'd rather own Wix than Squarespace. And I suspect that the valuation is going to come in somewhere um, around the same multiple and perhaps even Squarespace get a higher multiple, in which case I'd be much more interested in Wix, I believe. Yeah, it feels like the, again, we, I mentioned this earlier, it feels like the Bumble match group dynamic where match group is kind of old-ish, old relative to Bumble. And they're like, ooh, new kid on the block. We got we to gotta invest in Bumble. Uh, Ryan, what, what do you think? More or less interested? Uh, I'm, I'm more interested in the company. Uh, I think the shift to no code could be sort of that rising tide that lifts all boats. Um, but... Uh, I would have to be at a much cheaper multiple than Wix because Wix is growing uh, as fast, I think faster. I think they're planning for 32% bookings growth next year. Um, yeah, I think that's And right. they're yeah. bigger. Um, and they have sort of those benefits of scale that we talked about. Uh, Squarespace at the right price though, uh, they still have a good business and the economics of the business are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, economics are definitely good. Cheaper multiple than Shopify, it's got to be right. Cheaper than fifty or forty-five yes, times. I would, I, sorry, sorry, Ian. Yes, I would hey, not consider hey, no, Shopify multiple. Ian, hey, Ian's probably had fantastic returns with Shopify. I, don't know, I think uh, it's yeah, like, I've held you know, it for a while now, so <laughs> no hey, complaints there, from me. Yeah, no, definitely like, no complaints there. Uh, I'll go slightly more interested just because I like the business model. But again, I agree with all you guys. Uh, you know, seems like they're not the best in class solution. But, you know, you got to weigh, like, what's their valuation going to be at? Definitely, I think they deserve less of a premium than some of the other competitors. But we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Definitely something I'll be tracking uh, to kind of see how they perform for sure. Uh, But, yeah, I think it's going to do it. Ian, what is the stock for next week? I think you guys may have talked about this, um, like, right after the IPO or somewhere around the IPO two years ago. But I think we should go with Jumia next week. We'll continue the e-commerce trend and go with Jumia. All right. All right. All right. That, that's exciting. Yeah, they're, they're the, uh, the, the Amazon of Africa. So it's, it's an automatic <laughs> invest because of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, right. for sure. No, it should be a fun one. Uh, I think that will be the first African company. It's been a newsy one for sure. For sure, yeah. The volatility on that one is is crazy. All right, that one that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to sorry. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may hold, clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening or watching. We'll see you next week. <laughs>